This is Air Off Short Stories, where you will hear stories that take science to plausible extremes, or reality to the magical. Episode 1, The Blue Room, by Jason Sanford. Welcome. I'm Judah Mahay, your host. If this is your first time listening, then thank you, and I hope you return to enjoy more of the stories we discover. Our author, Jason Sanford, is highly published and acclaimed in the science fiction industry. I feel so blessed that he's allowing us to read one of his stories, and I hope you enjoy as much as I have. After listening to today's episode, you can find show notes with any relevant links at judahmahay.com. If you like what you hear, please review us on iTunes or the Judah Mahay smartphone app. This will help other people find Eros short stories. Now, let the story begin. The Blue Room by Jason Sanford. The plains rolled out before Asia, all buffalo grass and forever sky drowning to the dusk's easy light. Asia sat on the weather-worn porch of her grandpa's farmhouse, flipping page after page of her history textbook unread, the words blurring to elsewhere. Away, they whispered. Go, they sighed. Despite this urge, Asia knew she was stuck. Might as well sink her boots through the porch's half-rotten planks and never move again. Since she'd arrived at her grandpa's farm last year, there'd been days when the sun didn't bake and the winds didn't howl and the storms didn't blow and the snows didn't drift. But I should barely remember them. Instead, she knew this land's hurt. First, the coldest winter she'd ever felt, followed by spring storms which briefly electrified the air before disappearing to sky. Then a hot summer which stung sweat from every pore of her body. Now fall was here again, and I shall wanted to scream at the repeat of the plains' damned seasonal cycle, and this house and land always repeating, turning on themselves in a sameness of days to come and days she'd already lived. She looked at her history book, looked at the half-rotten porch, looked at Grandpa Lauren mending a barbed wire fence a hundred yards away. Even though the farm no longer had animals to fence in, Aisha tossed her homework on the porch and stomped over to see if he needed any help. Bored? Grandpa Lauren asked, the pliers in his gloved hands cutting rust-breaking barbed wire before twining the old wires back together. I know you got homework. I'll do it on the bus. Aisha had long complained about the bus, which picked her up a quarter of a mile away and took an hour to reach high school. She was the only black person in the entire school, which was another thing to hate out here. She'd grown up in Cheyenne, and while that wasn't much of a city, it counted for way more than now. At least there were other black people in Cheyenne. As if knowing her thoughts, Grandpa Lawrence snorted. When I was young... I fought those white idiots at school near every day, and that's after hiking through snowdrifts to my hips, the wind turning my face to icicles. Are you joking? Aisha asked. About the walking? They had buses when I was a kid. Now my father, he swore he walked to school in ten-foot drifts, but he was also a damn liar. Aisha laughed. As a big grin sliced Grandpa Lauren's sun-tufted face. 
What do you want, I? he asked. What did Aisha want? She wanted her parents back. And she wanted dead the drunk driver who killed them. She wanted more than living on a nowhere farm where her father and grandfather and so on back the generation had lived and worked and died. But she had nowhere else to go. She was 15. Only a few more years until she was an adult and could leave. But Aisha didn't have an answer. Grandpa Lauren turned back to the fence. He pulled two broken wires together and twisted the metal into a knot with his pliers. Got something to show you, he said. Aisha waited for that something. A when? A what? But her grandpa focused on his work, as if Aisha wasn't there. She wandered back to the house, picked up her history textbook, and slammed it on the porch. They ate beef stew and potatoes while the fall wind whistled the gaps in the kitchen walls. Grandpa Lauren muttered how the stew wasn't near as good as the stew he and Anna used to make, back when they still slaughtered their own cattle. Don't matter how it used to taste, Aisha muttered. Besides, she barely remembered her grandma, who died when she was a little girl. Grandpa Lauren glared at her. They ate in silence until the phone rang. Only one phone in the place, an ancient rotary dialer, no cells or anything reaching out here, and it had to ring during supper. Aisha glanced at the phone and wondered if it was the boy she liked at school. Grandpa would throw fits if she answered during supper. The phone rang seven times before falling silent. They'll call back, Grandpa said. They didn't, and worse. The wind knocked out the power, meaning no TV or computer. Aisha climbed the worn stairs to her bedroom and sank under the pile of blankets and quilts on her bed. Dust danced to the sun-setting light. Musky smells from the blankets and quilts Grandma Anne had sewn and knitted decades back whiffed in the air. But she was warm and didn't care and fell asleep even though it was too early for sleep. Grandpa Lauren woke her sometime after midnight. He held one of the green glow sticks they kept for when the power was off. Time to show you something. I should glance out from under the covers. Even though it was only autumn, her breath misted the air and cut her throat with cold going back in. Outside, the wind ranged in deep groans. Maybe it was the house groaning under the wind. Show me in the morning. Before Aisha could react, Grandpa Lauren grabbed her legs and yanked her from the bed. Grandpa Lauren was tall, almost six foot four, and strong even at his age. Aisha thumped onto the cold plank floor. For a moment, she wanted to hit him, but his laughing face rolled her anger away. What is it? Follow me. They walked the worn stairs to the kitchen, the glow stick lighting their way. From the kitchen stairs to the basement, when Aisha's ancestor, Jedabiah Meeks, built the house, he'd cut the basement into the granite, which welled up across this part of the plains. Aisha had spent plenty of hours down here picking through the dusty furniture and mildewed belongings of past generations. Grandpa Lauren led her to a heavy-set wooden door, which was padlocked and bolted straight into the granite wall. Where the rest of the house seemed as weak and creaky as a rotten willow, the store whispered strength. 
I should have tried in vain to open it the last time she was down here. Now Grandpa clicked the padlock with an ancient key. Water. Electric blue water. An endless stairway through crystal water. Backlight. By blue glow from the water itself. I should have never seen anything so beautiful. The water lay flat and still two steps below the basement floor. Aisha leaned over and dipped her hand. Cold. She raised a handful to her lips. Clear and clean. The water came up last night, her grandpa said. Rose a hundred feet in a few hours. Does it always come this high? Not often. Usually stays up a, a day or so before dropping back to the bottom. Why does it glow? Just how the water is. Nothing's changed since Grandpa Jedebiah found these stairs when he moved here back in the 1800s. Well, nothing but him building the door and the house around it. I should dipped her hand into the water again. Felt alive. Still water, but somehow alive. She fought the urge to dive in, to see how far down she could swim. You asked me once why I stayed here, Grandpa Lauren said. This is why. Move to town? You won't have something like this. You say it'll go back down? Her grandpa smiled. It, it'll go down. Soon as it does, I'll show you more. Grandpa Lauren called it the blue room. When the water receded a few days later, they walked down the rough cut steps, a hundred feet to the bottom. Except it wasn't the bottom. The hole widened into a pool 30 feet across with the steps continuing through the water. Is this the blue room? Aisha asked. Grandpa Lauren shook his head and pointed down. More than a hundred feet below, barely seen through the water's faint blue glow, stood a stone arch through which the steps disappeared. What looked like carved symbols, maybe strange animals and human shapes, surrounded the arch. But Aisha couldn't make out for sure what they were. That's the blue room, he said. The water goes up and down. Sometimes it's so low you're almost close enough to make out the symbols on the room's archway. But it's never enough. Scuba gear, Aisha muttered. Get a, a wetsuit, a tank of air. We could explore all that. Grandpa Lauren didn't respond, other than walk up the steps. Aisha knew she'd said something wrong, but despite asking what she'd done, no answer came. When they reached the basement, Grandpa Lauren closed the door and clicked the padlock shut. Aisha didn't see the stairs for another year. At first she asked Grandpa Lauren every few days to open the locked door, but her request was always ignored, as if Aisha hadn't spoken. Soon she stopped asking even though she occasionally heard him opening the door late at night. Once she heard him whispering in the basement, saying her grandmother's name, Anna, Anna, over and over in a sound not far removed from crying. But soon Aisha had other interests and forgot about the stairs. The boy who occasionally called the house began calling more than occasionally. His name was Ko, Isley and they both were juniors in school. He also had a pickup of his own and didn't mind driving the long miles to see her.
It's old, Ko said the first time he visited her house. Means you have roots here. Aisha didn't know about that, but she liked his words. She told Ko about her ancestor who built this house. Grandpa Jedebiah had come west with buffalo soldiers and then stayed and built this ranch. Ko listened, fascinated, although he didn't seem surprised by what she told him. They walked out to the old barn and fell into the dust and mouse-filled hay and giggled as they played. Naturally, Grandpa Lorne didn't like Ko. He looked over Ko's muscle-cut legs and arms, teenage square of a face, and I should knew he wasn't impressed. Her grandpa glanced at her as if to say, Dear God, not a white boy. Still, he was polite, at least until Ko left. He's trouble, Grandpa Lauren said. Thinks he's strong and tough and already a cowboy. Watch out for him. He won't hurt me. Not what I meant. I should start to argue, the f familiar anger rising in her body, till she noticed the key her grandpa held. He waggled the aged, darkened metal in front of her face and grinned his yellow teeth. Time you had a key to the door, I, he said. Just don't let me catch you using scuba gear to reach the blue room. We reach it the proper way, when the water allows us, or we don't reach it at all. Aisha merely nodded as he handed her the key. That night, after her grandpa was asleep, she opened the door and walked down the stairs. A hundred feet below, she stared into the water as the blue room's archway beckoned. Aisha shucked off her clothes and dived in, the ice-cold water knocking her to, to gasps and throwing her body to shakes. She swam as deep as she could, but couldn't hold her breath long enough to reach the arch. For a moment, she hung in the frigid still water. She heard a chorus of voices laughing, the laughter dripping into something almost like her name, into something like the knock-knock jokes Grandma Anne told Aisha as a child. Aisha smiled, remembering how much Grandma Anne had loved those silly knock-knocks. Then the water was silent again, and Aisha realized she had heard nothing but her own memories. She swam back to the stairs and dressed and walked up to bed. Every morning and evening, Aisha walked down the stairs. Each day, she swam deeper and deeper. Able to hold her breath longer and longer, she grew used to swimming in the cold water. She told Ko about the stairs on a Friday night as they sat in his truck at the local McDonald's. There was nothing to do with the little crossroads they called a town, so the teenagers drove circles around the McDonald's parking lot, drinking beer and seeing who was there. This was the first time Grandpa Lauren let her go out at night with Co. Be careful, I, her grandpa said. We got as much claim to this land as anyone, but some of the families here don't agree. As if to prove Grandpa Lauren right, the moment she and Co. started talking to friends in the McDonald parking lot, a drunk walked by and muttered about, Damn niggers, I should turn ready to fight, but one of her friends held her back. But they forgot to hold Co. back. Co. slammed the drunk to the pavement before kicking the man over and over with steel-toed boots. The crowd watched for a moment, stunned to nervous giggles. But two older guys pulled Co. off the drunk. 
He didn't know what he was saying, one of the men muttered. Oh, he knew, I should have thought. But she was too excited to care. When they sat back in Ko's pickup, Ko wouldn't stop ranting how he hated the fools in this back-ass county. How if he didn't love this land so much, he would have already dropped out of school and run off. When Ko calmed down, Aisha kissed him. Then, wanting to show her thanks, she told him about the stairway under her house. Amazing, Ko said. Is it the Ogalalal Aquifer? Aisha knew of the Ogalalal Aquifer, a thin sea of water stretching for hundreds of miles underneath the plains. But she didn't know if this was part of it. I don't know, she said. My grandpa said the hole was there when our ancestors built the house. At the mention of Aisha's ancestors, Ko fidgeted. Can I see it sometime? The water's up again. As soon as it goes down, I'll let you see it. Grandpa Lauren wasn't thrilled Aisha told Ko about the stairway. You never said it was a secret, she said. Shouldn't have to. Aisha kicked her right boot against the porch railing. The spring winds had melted the snow a month back, but a chill still bolted the air. Her grandpa sat at one of the two wooden chairs that had probably rested on the porch since Grandpa Jedebiah built the house. Aisha sat down next to him and told how Ko stood up for her the other night. Grandpa Lauren was mildly impressed. Guess he's not quite as bad as his family, he muttered. You don't even know him. Don't need to. I know his kind. The Isley's been after our family since we got here. I should not want to believe him. But as he fell into describing their family history, she knew he wasn't lying. He told her about Jedebiah serving with the Buffalo soldiers, which Aisha already knew, and visiting this land while on patrol. Jedebiah so took to the place that after leaving the service, he brought his new wife out here. The first trouble they had was with the Isley family, who lived nearby and believed this land was for their cattle to graze. Grandpa Jedebiah wasn't scared. He showed them his deed and held them off with his rifle when the need came. One night, her grandpa said, the Isleys rode out here shooting. Grandpa Jebediah fought back, but they still burned the barn and killed one of his farmhands. After Jedediah and his men wounded several of the Isleys, the Isleys pulled back. Now, my grandpa's farmhands wanted to ride out against the Isleys, but Jedediah refused, said things would sort out, and they did. A few days later, the Isleys' patriarch disappeared. His family found him at the bottom of their own well, drowned in that cold water. Only marks on his body, the, the torn fingernails where he tried to claw his way out. People suspected Jedebiah of involvement, but there was no way he could have thrown that Isley down his own well. Co didn't mention all that, Aisha said. Maybe he doesn't know. Aisha remembered how Co fidgeted when she'd mentioned her ancestor, and realized he had known all about their shared history. Grandpa Lawrence sighed. I guess it doesn't matter if you show him the blue room. I mean, that's why I gave you a key. It's yours to do as you please. When Ko drove out to see Aisha that Saturday afternoon, she knew he was chomping at the bit to see the stairway. 
but she grabbed his arm tight and dragged him to the barn, where she told him off for not saying anything about their joined history. And don't say you didn't know, she yelled, because you did. Co sat on a musty bale of hay that lain in the barn for years. What was I supposed to say, I? Course I knew that history. Don't mean I'm proud of it. That's not why your parents don't like me. Co lowered his head. They like you some. I mean, your family's been here near as long as mine, and that counts. But they hate being reminded how our family was back then. Like that damn well my ancestor drowned in. My family sealed it over long ago and hid it under sod so no one would remember what happened. Isa gently kicked her right boot against his boots and sat behind him on the hay bale. You st still thinking about getting out of here? She asked. Sometimes, but I'll probably never leave. I don't like the people who live here, but I love this land. It's in me. Isa nodded wanting so badly to convince Ko to leave this damn place with her. That was talk for another day. She kissed him and led him to the stairs. Ko and Aisha swam and splashed in the cool waters, naked, goose bumping, and stopping every now and then to kiss. It's amazing, Ko said. I mean, who knows how long this water's been down here? We're probably swimming through water that ran off glaciers been dripping down and down until it reached here. Aisha laughed. This is why she liked Ko. He was a romantic. She dove under the water and swam toward the blue room, delighted in how it did feel like she was swimming through history. People hunting Mastodon on the plains, a mile-high wall of ice booming thunder and lightning as storms built over the glaciers. Aisha surfaced took a deep breath and dove again, trying to reach the doorway. She wanted to see the carvings, to see the dire wolves and saber-toothed tigers hunting the scattered humans who'd crossed over to this land from Asia, or to see the people, scared, huddled around campfires, witnessing gods and demons in every shadow at nighttime scream, afraid of this new land they'd entered, a land without the history needed to protect and comfort them. Then they found this cave and heard the water's comforting words. To honor it, they carved the steps and the blue room and created their own history beneath this land, and the water happily flowed with them, asking only that they occasionally return to. I wake up! Aisha gasped, coming back to herself. She hung deeper in the water than she'd ever gone, directly before the opening to the blue room. A strong current sucked hard at her body. On the stone archway, she saw carvings of dire wolves and mastodons of buffaloes and saber-toothed tigers. And faces, human faces. One of these she recognized from an ancient photograph as Grandpa Jedebiah. Another looked like Grandma Anna. Keep swimming, I. The voice she'd heard before whispering, son, it's so like Grandma Anna. The room's not after you. Aisha kicked hard, but the current ripped her body, flowing sensuous like Ko's hands on her flesh, thrashing even harder. She rose slightly, only to see Ko float by, a blank look on his eyes. She slipped and grabbed his body, but he was too heavy to hold against the pole. 
Instead of fighting, she kicked with the current, angling towards the edge of the archway. She and Ko smashed into the stone, and she held him there as the current howled in her ears. Aisha's lungs screamed. She only had moments before she panicked in her need to reach air. She shook Ko, but his eyes tranced to nothing. Holding him tight, she bit his shoulder hard, feeling the warm metal tang of blood boil into the current. Ko kicked and screamed, and in a panic swam towards the surface. Aisha followed after him. They splashed into the air next to the steps and lay there, gagging. What happened? Aisha asked. I saw them, Ko said between gasps. Our ancestors, fighting, saw that old Isley man wake in the freezing well water, saw him claw at the stone walls. Aisha nodded. She's seen Jedebiah riding and fighting with the buffalo soldiers. She saw him, discovered the ancient stairs which led to the blue room's water, saw him build his house over it, protecting his claim to history against any who dared steal it. Unwilling to speak more of what had happened, Aisha and Co. pulled their clothes over their wet bodies and walked stiffly up the stairs. Aisha locked the door's massive padlock as Co. strode to his truck, and drove off without a word. That afternoon, the wind screamed, shaking the farmhouse. Clouds bolted by, threatening the rain, even as none fell. The sky burned dark green, and Grandpa Lauren muttered about tornado weather. As they ate dinner, Aisha wanted so bad to tell her Grandpa about what had happened with the Blue Room, to tell him about Grandpa Ann's voice saving her. But she sat in silence until they heard a car pull up to the house. It was the sheriff. Aisha and Grandpa Lauren walked onto the porch to speak to him. Lauren, the sheriff said. Aisha, hate to trouble you, but we're looking for Co Isley. Either of you seen him? He was here earlier, but left, Aisha said. Why? We found his truck crashed on his land, engine still running. Wasn't a bad crash or anything, but there was blood on the seat and He's gone. Aisha felt a swirl of water caressing her skin, just like in the blue room, and she fell against the side of the house. Her grandpa and the sheriff grabbed at her, but she shook them off. He, he's probably fine, the sheriff said to reassure. Just need to find him. Grandpa Lauren thanked the sheriff for checking and said they'll call if they saw Co. He led Aisha inside as the sheriff drove off. The blue room. Aisha gasped. It tried to take us. It has Ko. Why would it do that? Grandpa Lauren said. You two don't have the history to be taken. Aisha pulled her grandpa away, kicking at him with her boots. You knew. Damn it, you knew. Of course I knew. But you don't understand. This can't happen. Aisha calmed down. Still... Feeling the slippery embrace of the Blue Room's current as Grandpa Lauren explained, This room is history, I. Real, actual history. When you've lived on this land for a long time, the Blue Room pulls you to itself, makes you part of the water below, part of this land's history. Aisha remembered the swirl of history she'd felt as she dived into the water. I heard Grandpa Anne. I know. The blue room took her one day. 
called her down and took her. Spat her body back. But what was her was gone. She still talks to me when I'm down there. Then why did it try to take me and Co? I don't know. I mean, it still won't take an old man like me. And look at how much a history I've lived. So you don't think that's why Co disappeared? Could be. He wasn't even here when he vanished. Daisy's land is a ways off. Aisha nodded, even as she still felt the blue room's embrace. When Grandpa Lauren walked to the kitchen to clean the dishes, she sneaked downstairs. Water seeped underneath the heavy wooden door. Aisha unlocked the door to find water rippling even with the basement floor. A single ribbon of blood undulating small circles in the water like a dying snake. Even without the blue room to tell her, Aisha knew the blood was Ko's from when she'd bitten him to save his life. Aisha knelt down and dipped her hand into the water. As the blood ribbon swam into her skin, she saw her ancestor, Jedebiah, kneeling before the water, holding a bloody clot of soil in his hands. The blood was from an Isley man Jedebiah shot during the attack on his farm. He threw the blood and the soil into the water. I've seen a lot, Jedebiah told the water. More history than you can take in. Slavery, civil war. Been all over this land with the buffalo soldiers. But if the... But if the Isleys drive me off, I won't share one moment of my life with you. The water hissed and boiled, but Jedebiah stood firm as he closed and bolted the door. Furious, the water coursed through the aquifer until it found the Isley's scent, licking at its taste of their blood. The water called to them, saying a siren's plea, and the eldest Isley walked to his own well and jumped in. Aisha felt the man's shock as the cold water grabbed him, felt his panic as the blue room spell released him, and he tried to claw his way back to freedom. Aisha stumbled away from the water. The water wasn't merely history. It was alive, living through the histories of the people it stole, a creature creating its own sense of time. A creature reaching from this moment back across the millennium to that first caress of its waters by human hands, which opened the blue room to awareness. But what if there was no more people to share their histories with the blue room? With a shock, Aisha knew the room would slowly die, would revert to the unaware state it had once existed in. And since Aisha was the last of her family, she ran upstairs. Grandpa. Drive out to Ko's house. He's in the old well where they found that icy man. Grandpa Lauren tried arguing, saying that well had been sealed and hidden decades ago. But Aisha ignored him. She rummaged through her emergency supplies until she found one of the glow sticks and ran back downstairs. She kicked off her boots as Grandpa Lauren again asked what was going on. Instead of answering, Aisha dived into the stairwell of water. 
The water rushed and pulled, and in a blur, she shot through the lower doorway, the carvings watching her with bemused smiles on their human and animal faces. When she reached the blue room, the current ripping her body paused. She hung there, feeling the same sensation as before of hands slip, rubbing her body. Except this time, they weren't Ko's hands. I she felt Grandma Anna and her ancestor Jedabiah and people she didn't know. People reaching back through history to where they were. The, the history, all swirling within the blue room's waters. I she heard a faint chuckle. She remembered that chuckle. Her grandma had often laughed like that. If you take me now, Aisha thought, that's it. I'm the last of my family. No more people coming. No more sharing our histories with you. The water doesn't want you right now, Grandma Anna whispered. It's afraid is all. Afraid you won't come back when you're older. Is that why it took Ko? Your thoughts of leaving torture us. We hoped if Ko was with us, you would stay. If anything happens to Ko, I won't return. But, but, this is home. Give me time. I swear I will return. Aisha felt the waters flowing back and forth as a swirl of consciousness stolen from her ancestors and others debated what to do. Finally, she felt a gentle hug. We look forward to your return, her grandma said. And when you see your grandpa, tell that old fool to stop mooning. He'll be here soon enough. Aisha started to ask about Ko, but suddenly she sh shot deeper into the water, going down and down into the aquifer. It was dark, and she broke the glow tube to see, but still couldn't see, and knew this couldn't be happening. She should have long since drowned, or been crushed by the pressure, or ground gravel by the stones. Just when she thought she'd go crazy in the dark in the water, she shot up into the well. Gasping for air, she looked around by the glow stick's green light. Ko floated beside her, his pale face shaking. I, he asked weakly, how did you get here? Aisha grabbed Ko and held him close. His skin was ice, his fingers bloody. Aisha glanced into the dark above them and saw a tiny hole at the edge of the glow stick's light. The cap the Isleys had put on the old well. The blue room had sung its siren song to Ko, leading him here until he fell through. The cap's rotten wood and soil. Hold on, Aisha said, hugging Ko tight. Been holding, he whispered. Holding too long, even with you. Aisha kicked harder, struggling to keep Ko's head above water, rubbing his body to warm him. But he was so cold, he couldn't shiver. Couldn't even smile as he died. At least Aisha prayed he'd have tried to smile. Instead, one moment, the co she knew looked at her, and the next that co was gone. Nothing to worry, I, her grandma said. He's with us. Aisha screamed and shook Ko's body and held him up for what seemed like hours. Although Grandpa Lauren would later say only 40 minutes had passed, she heard the shouts, heard the smash of shovels on the sod and the rotten wood, saw flashing light streaming through the hole far above. She lashed the rescue rope around Ko's body as she cursed herself for ever trusting the blue room. Aisha and Grandpa Lauren sat at the dining room table eating beef stew. It's good, Grandpa Lauren said. You should try it. Aisha pushed her plate away, unable to eat. 
Even though Grandpa Lauren had used one of his old recipes, she couldn't stomach the fresh beef the Isley family had given them as thanks for trying to save Co. Grandpa Lauren said the Isleys had been suspicious when he arrived at their house and said he knew where Co was. But when they found the small hole where the well had been and heard Aisha yelling, everyone believed Aisha had gone searching for Co and fallen into the same rotten hole that had trapped him. Grandpa Anna lied, Aisha said. She said the blue room would save Co. Grandpa Lauren looked near to tears and ground his boots in the floorboard before speaking. I felt the same way when it took Anna. We still had years together. And now? That isn't Grandma Anna, is it, down there? It is, he said. Part of her, at least. Mixed with parts of hundreds of others. No one who joins the room's history is what they were before. Then why let it take you? Grandpa Lauren shook his head. When the blue room took her, I swore I'd never have me. I boarded up the house, moved to town, but as time went by, I couldn't help thinking about the peace of Anna waiting down there, about having one last chance to embrace her. Maybe that's what the blue room's doing to you, dropping a seed in, so one day when you're older, you'll come back. I should not she imagined herself near the end of her life, wondering about Ko after having experienced whatever she was bound to experience, thinking on that boy she used to love, wondering if she would take one last chance and join him. Leaving her grandpa to finish eating, Aisha walked downstairs and unlocked the door. The water was still up, rippling even with the floor. Aisha leaned over and placed her right hand in the water. She heard Grandpa laugh, heard Jedebiah's demand to keep this land, heard words and deeds of history stretching across thousands of years, heard Ko say how much he loved this land as he pulled her close for a kiss. She swirled the water before pulling out her hand and flicked the wetness off the wrinkles and calcium knots of her aged fingers. Aisha smiled as the taste of history slowly washed off her old body. Even as she came back to herself, the swirl of the Blue Room's ever-living history tempted her, caressing her arthritic bones with what felt like Ko's long dead hands. She felt a lingering hug from Grandpa Lauren and fought back tears at how much she missed him over the last 70 years of her life. As Aisha squatted painfully before the water, holding on to her cane for balance, she looked around. The basement was far older. The mildewed furniture and boxes of mementos decayed beyond basic lines and shapes. The smell of urine and wet fur hung in the stale air, as if generations of animals have lived and died down here after the house was abandoned. Aisha glanced again at the water. Too bad you won't see the things I've seen, she whispered, making her decision. The places I've been. The people I've met. The water bubbled and hissed at Aisha's rejection, but she ignored it. As she leaned hard on her cane and slowly stood, 
She still felt the lingering impression of Ko's last kiss, of her grandmother's laugh, of the love in Grandpa Lauren's sun-baked grins. Her grandpa had died in this house so many decades ago. Now it was obvious that despite his anger at the Blue Room, he'd given in and joined it all the same. But after having a final look at all she'd once loved, I shed no desire to do the same. After all, none of those in the Blue Room were truly themselves, not as they'd once been. Now, they and their histories were merely part of the strange creature's slow, final descent into death. The water called her, urgent, begging. But the Blue Room lacked the taste of Aisha's blood, without which it couldn't force anyone against their will. Aisha leaned against the door and pushed the rusted hinges shut. From above, she heard the footsteps of her granddaughter walking delicately across the rotten kitchen floor. Aisha padlocked the door as the girl ran down the basement stairs. Grammy, eh? Dad's mad at you, the girl said. We couldn't find you. Aisha smiled. Her son was always mad, especially at having to drive to the middle of nowhere to see a fallen down house which Aisha refused to talk about. Aisha's granddaughter glanced at the padlocked door and heard the splashes and drips of the water beyond. Is the door crying? she asked. Aisha shook her head, remembering Jedebiah's demand to the Blue Room. Keep this land, or he wouldn't share his life with the waters below. But she wanted nothing to do with that now, more than ever. Nothing's crying but history, she told her granddaughter. And that bastard's dead. Her granddaughter tittered at the naughty word. I had no doubt the little girl would repeat the curse, and that I, son, would again complain about I setting a bad example for the child. But she didn't care. Life was history. Life was life. And she happily followed her granddaughter up the stairs, and out of the house, and into the rest of it. Thank you for listening to Blue Room by Jason Sanford. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate us on iTunes, or if you listen from the smartphone app, you can leave reviews on the App Store. This will help other people find us. Just as a reminder, show notes are at judamhay.com. We hope you return to discover new worlds and ideas outside our current reality. Good night and good day from whenever and wherever you might have found us. A heartfelt thank you from Air Off Short Stories. Mm -hmm.